Welcome to Your Wealth, Your Legacy, a podcast by Prairie Wood Wealth Management, where we cover the latest in investment, tax, estate, and charitable giving strategies to help you keep more of what you make, make more with what you have, and create a legacy that lasts beyond your lifetime. Thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. Here are your hosts, Nathan Anderson and Steve Nelson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 26th episode of Your Wealth, Your Legacy. I'm your host, Nathan Anderson, here with my co-host, Steve Nelson. Welcome, Steve. Yeah, great to be here. Very excited about this month's topic, which is qualified charitable distributions. You know, as we're getting closer to year end, we start to see more and more people asking questions and thinking about charitable giving. And so we like to cover various topics on charitable giving. And I think last year we talked about charitable bunching and gifting appreciated stock to charity. And so we thought we'd throw in a new topic this year, which is qualified charitable distributions. Steve, do you want to talk a little bit about just kind of our clients and what we see over time and kind of how their charitable giving evolves throughout their life? Yeah, I would say, you know, starting out, most people just give cash or charge it on their credit card. And it's very simple, but that's really the least efficient way to give charitably. Taking it the next step, when we've had podcasts and blog posts on charitable bunching where you actually give appreciated stock and avoid the capital gains on that stock, you get the full deduction. And typically you do that through a donor advised fund if you don't want to give directly the whole amount to one charity. And then, you know, that usually evolves when you're no longer able to itemize deductions and you turn 70 and a half, and then you can take the money out of your IRA and have the custodian send it directly to the charity in what's called a qualified charitable distribution. Exactly, Steve. So if we dive into what a qualified charitable distribution is, like Steve said, it's giving directly to a charity from your traditional IRA account. And so if you think about a traditional IRA, all of that money is pre-tax. And ultimately, when you take it out, you're going to pay tax on the amount withdrawn. Well, one exception to that is giving that money directly to a charity. And so when you do that, it's called a qualified charitable distribution. And in order to be eligible, you have to be at least 70 and a half years old. And so that age threshold is a specific threshold. It's not the year that you turn 70 and a half. It is actually age 70 and a half. So it has to be your six-month birthday after turning age 70, but any time past that age, you can give money directly to charity from your traditional pre-tax IRA, and that income or that amount distributed to the charity is completely excluded from your tax return or from your taxable income. A couple points to think about, specifically with qualified charitable distributions, is number one, there's a $100,000 per year limit per person, and so you can't just give you know, $500,000 to a charity from your traditional IRA in a single year, you have to give within the $100,000 limit on an annual basis. If you are already required minimum distribution age, so as of 2023, that would be somebody who's age 73 or older. If you haven't taken your required minimum distribution for the year, a qualified charitable distribution to a charity can count towards your required minimum distribution. And so that can be beneficial where In the case of an individual who maybe doesn't need the income from the required minimum distribution, they can just gift that money directly to the charity and avoid paying tax on that money that they're required to take out of their IRA. Yeah, so it's a really good strategy for a person that's, you know, of age and, you know, isn't itemizing. Practically, the logistics of how this actually works is 
you know, your IRA custodian will either have a form or some types of online request where you put in the charity details. And then the custodian actually is going to make that check out to the charity. And typically what they do is they'll actually mail the check to you and then you deliver it to the charity. But the key in the whole scenario is that you're not taking the money out yourself and then gifting it to the charity. The custodian actually has to make that check out to the charity itself and either send the check directly to the charity or send it to you to deliver to the charity. But if that check is made out in your name, then the whole qualified charitable distribution strategy isn't going to work because that income is going to be taxable to you. So very important that that check is made out directly to the charity. So maybe to take a step back and think about why this strategy is valuable, I think Steve's touched on it a little bit, but really it boils down to how individuals receive a benefit from their charitable giving. And so if you think about giving cash or giving appreciated stock to charity, the benefit of those charitable contributions in most cases is the itemized deduction that you receive for those gifts. And so let's say, you know, you make a $50,000 gift to a charity that exceeds your standard deduction. And so then on your tax return, you're going to deduct that gift as an itemized deduction and reduce your taxable income. Well, the challenge that a lot of individuals run into, especially as they get older and maybe they're not giving as much to charity as their income has decreased in retirement, is they find that the amount they give to charity isn't enough to exceed the standard deduction. So I think before we dive into that piece, it would be good to do a quick recap on the standard deduction versus itemized deductions. And so if you'll recall from some of our previous episodes, when you prepare your tax return or when you file your tax return, you get to reduce your income by either a standard deduction that everyone gets or an itemized deduction, which is made up of medical expenses in excess of 7.5% of your income, state and local taxes, mortgage interest, charitable contributions. And if the combined total of all of those types of deductions exceed your standard deduction, you'll take the itemized deductions. It's probably helpful to just walk through an example. You know, if you are uh, age 70 and a half and your mortgage is paid off and you have no mortgage interest and you have average medical expenses that aren't going to exceed seven and a half percent of your AGI. And let's just say you have $4,000 of state and local or property taxes, you know, with the standard deduction being $30,700 in 2023. For a married couple who's age 65 or older. You would need to have charitable deductions of at least 26700 before you'd get any charitable benefit. So basically another way to think about that is the first 26000 of your charitable contributions is just serving to bring up your itemized deduction to the level of the standard deduction you already qualified for. So if you made charitable contributions of $26,000, you're going to get no tax benefit from that if you're just giving cash to charity and relying on the itemized deduction. Yeah, so that's really a significant loss of a tax benefit, which doing qualified charitable distributions then could help out with. Exactly. So then what happens with a qualified charitable distribution is instead of getting the benefit through an itemized deduction, you're getting the benefit by completely excluding the income from your tax return altogether. So if we think of the benefit of excluding that income from your tax return, let's assume that you made a $25,000 gift and you're in a 24% federal tax bracket and a 6% state tax bracket, you would basically save 30% of that gift to charity through a qualified charitable distribution, you would save 30% of that in taxes. 
And so for a $25,000 gift, that's $7,500 that you would save. Whereas if you just took the $25,000 personally and wrote a check yourself to charity, you would receive no benefit because your itemized deductions would not exceed the standard deduction in the example that we we gave. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And there's really a couple of other benefits of doing qualified charitable distributions. You know, if you think about it, the income isn't going to be on your tax return at all. So it's going to reduce your adjusted gross income, which is a key figure on your tax return that has a lot of different phase outs and other charges. So for example, your IRMA Medicare premium surcharge is based on AGI. Your net investment income tax is based on AGI. And then as Nathan said before, it also satisfies your required minimum distribution if you're at least 73 and are required to take RMDs. So Nathan, what charities can accept qualified charitable distributions? Yeah, so typically in most cases, any 501c3 charity, but there are a few exceptions. Um, The first exception is a private foundation, um, also supporting organizations. So charities that typically support other tax exempt entities are not eligible. And then probably the biggest one um, is that donor advised funds are not able to accept QCDs. So generally speaking, the thought process is if it's a typical 501c3 charity and you're giving directly to that charity versus through a donor advised fund or a, a private foundation, um, in most cases you're going to be be successful. But you have to be careful not to give to those three specific charities that don't qualify. So Steve, when you think of giving qualified charitable distributions, how does the tax reporting work and who's responsible to make sure it's reported correctly? Yeah, it's an excellent question because the tax reporting is pretty complex. You know, when you take money out of your IRA, you will receive a 1099-R tax form showing that amount of distribution. And the custodian that sends it to you doesn't differentiate whether it's a QCD or just a regular distribution. So the entire amount will be reported on that 1099-R form. And so you have to, as the taxpayer, it has to be tracked. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we see messed up most frequently on individuals' tax returns is if they do a QCD, we see the full amount showing up on their tax return as taxable because there's no way for the tax preparer to know. And if the individual who did it forgets to tell them, it's almost virtually certain that they're going to treat that as a taxable amount. So you just want to make sure you as the taxpayer are taking responsibility to pass that information on to your CPA to make sure that it shows up correctly on your return. So Nathan, if you're 70 and a half and have pre-tax money in an IRA and you're giving to charity, who might be the best fit for doing a, a qualified charitable distribution? So I think in most cases, individuals, if they're giving, you know, let's say, Three, four, five thousand dollars, all the way up to thirty thousand dollars per year to charity. A qualified charitable distribution is probably something they're going to want to look at. You know, obviously their own facts and circumstances could impact that, depending on how many other itemized deductions they would have, and and some factors there. But in most cases, if you're in that range of charitable giving and you are seventy and a half or older, I would recommend at least taking a look at qualified charitable distributions. If you're giving, you know, very small amounts to charity, let's say $50 here or $100 there, typically the administrative hassle of doing qualified charitable distributions where you fill out a form with the custodian and they mail the check and then you deliver the check, it's probably not worth it for for gifts that are very small. 
And on the other side of the spectrum, if you're doing very large gifts, let's say, you know, a hundred thousand or 200,000 or more to charity, number one, there's limits on how much you can do of charitable qualified charitable distributions. And number two, when you're at that level, you're for sure itemizing. And oftentimes the benefit of avoiding capital gains on appreciated stock are probably significant enough that it may make sense to do appreciated stock versus qualified charitable distributions. But the sweet spot is, let's say, 5000 to 30000 in annual giving. Usually it makes the most sense to do qualified charitable distributions. All right, so I think that's a good overview of qualified charitable distributions. The main takeaway in my mind is that individuals who have reached age 70 and a half and have a pre-tax IRA balance should consider how they're giving to charity now. And if they're taking distributions from their IRAs and simply giving the cash to charity, they're likely leaving a significant amount of tax savings on the table. If you're interested in more detail about qualified charitable distributions, or if you'd like to review the examples we discussed during the podcast, I'd recommend checking out our blog post on our website. If you're interested in working with a family CFO to ensure you're maximizing your financial resources and are supporting your charitable causes tax efficiently, we'd love to connect and see if what we do is right for you. That's all we have for this month. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Your Wealth, Your Legacy by Prairiewood Wealth Management. If you have comments, questions, or would like to learn more about working with Prairiewood Wealth Management, we would love to hear from you please visit us at our website, pw-wm.com, or email us at service at pw-wm.com. If you find our podcast helpful, leave us a review and share it so others can find us as well. Thanks for listening as we continue our quest to help others keep more of what they make, make more with what they have, and create a legacy that will last beyond their lifetime. The information discussed on this podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not represent investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed are those of Prairiewood Wealth Management and are subject to change not guaranteed and should not be considered recommendations to buy or sell any security. While past performance of market results may be discussed, it does not provide any assurance of future performance. The information presented herein has been obtained from sources deemed reliable but is not guaranteed.